0: You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Good morning, good morning. It's good to see you today. Happy Sunday. Good to be with you. For those who are joining online, uh, so glad that you're with us. My name's Adam. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor here at the church, and we did just want to take a, a minute uh, to, to just pray and recognize uh, the day uh, as today falls on uh, th- this date, September 11th, falls on a Sunday. Uh, just appropriate for us to think and remember and pray um, for just our nation, for those in our church who serve as first responders, um, both medical, public safety, military, and um, this opportunity for us to pause. Uh, I think it's extremely biblical for us when there are moments in history that need to be recognized and remembered for us to take a second to to think of those things as we've just been singing such great anthems of of power, of who God is, and even uh, in that short video, just a reminder that it's not just about what happened on September 11, 2001, it's, it's about what, hap- what is happening today and what is constantly happening in our lives and, and the reminders that, that, that we, as, as followers of God, as followers of Jesus, in, as a church, we believe that he is with us uh, in our darkest moments. And if there's anything that we've been learning as we've been going through the book of Judges that we've seen is that God... Uh, moves weaves his way throughout our our lives in our in our highest moments and in our darkest moments and so uh, I just want to pray for us as as a church as a people that that God would just continue to to be that to us and that he would uh, help us to live in faith believing that he is he is God. He is Lord over all things, and even through catastrophes of life, that we can, we can trust him. And, uh, and if you serve as a first responder in the medical field or public safety, fire, police, military, we just want to say thank you, and that we love you, and that we're for you, and um, we can. So I am going to pray for us. Lord, we are here as your people. And they're in this room, no doubt, there are people from every walk of life, every uh, level of faith and conviction in, in who you are, whether those who are here who don't know you at all or haven't, haven't put their hope in you, and those who have put their hope in you for the last 60, 70 years, we all struggle with similar fears, similar, similar doubts, similar trials of life where we wonder, are you there? Are you with us? sang it this morning, you've, you've led us out of out of captivity, out of bondage. you've led us into freedom and we have the privilege of living in this great country where we do celebrate a, a measure of freedom that we have. but ultimately that all comes from you and that we never want to take it for granted. And in moments that we ex- like we experienced, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, how in those moments we are keenly aware of how fragile life is. And so God, our only hope is to look to you. And so that's what I'm calling us to now, God, is a renewal of our hope and our dependence on you. And for the men and women who are here, whether in person or watching, God, who, who serve in such selfless ways, whether it be fire, police, medical, armed service, we just ask, Lord, that they would feel your pleasure, that you would strengthen them with a godly conviction of character, that they would see themselves not as defined by what they do, but whose they are, and that, that they belong to you, and that you would keep them close to you, protected from danger, from harm, and that there would be a joy and a renewed excitement in what you have called them to. So we thank you, God. There's much we could say on on this, but we just come in humility saying thank you for who you are to us as as a country, but to us as a people, your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, we are going to be in the book of Judges again today. And before we jump into Judges, I just want to remind you that something that we have been talking about for, for months and months, and the week is finally here, that we are uh, we are engaging in the Alpha Course this Thursday night. This is for anyone who has questions about faith, who has, who is exploring their faith, who is wondering about what... Uh, Christianity is all about, and uh, it is a perfect opportunity, if that's you, for you to come, but if you know somebody... Who is in your life, and you're like, man, I just, you know, they won't come to church, but maybe they'll come to something a little less intense. Well, this is the the thing. (laughs) This is the one. It's going to be Thursday night. This Thursday night it starts, and it's going to be in the cafe here, and there's going to be just an amazing team of people who have been working so hard to prepare, and they're going to be hosting and showing exceptional hospitality. Uh, There's going to be great food. There's going to be just a welcoming environment and really an opportunity to ask As many questions as one has, and you may not get all the answers in one night, but you're going to get an environment where it is okay to ask questions and people are going to listen. And so the, the course runs for eight weeks and there's gonna be videos that provide teaching and uh, a lot of discussion time. So I encourage you, invite, invite, invite. This is an all hands on deck, invite people. If you have someone who you know should come and you wanna come with them, it's totally fine. But I would just say to you, if you're already a, a Christian, a mature believer, this, this is not the time for you to just come and get you know refreshed in your, in your faith. We really are leaving. We're gonna have plenty of that there. There's gonna be plenty of people there who know their Bible, know their faith, and who are going to help and provide this welcoming environment who've been trained in that. So uh, if you do want to get involved and be on the team, that's a different story. Let us know. Fill out a Connect card. Um, And if you can't participate in any of those ways, but you would like to give towards Alpha, because there are expenses that go along with this, food and, and hospitality, child care, all this Uh, materials, marketing, all the things that we are doing, um, there is an option for you to give uh, in our giving link tree where you can give towards Alpha. We would greatly appreciate it. We're we're doing it one way or the other, but we believe God provides, and he often provides through you. So uh, give towards it. We would love to see your participation in that. All right. Judges. Back to Judges. Hopefully, you have been enjoying this series. It has been interesting and intense and different than a lot of stuff that we have done in the past. It is a a fascinating book. We are just really scratching the surface, and even when we get through the whole thing, it will, you know, we have to take it in chunks. But today, we are looking at a character that is one of the most, honestly, one of the most famous in the Bible, Um, and his story is one of the most famous stories even for people who have never read much of the bible Um, but it it is gideon and so we're going to start just with a few verses from the beginning of um, chapter 6 verse 11 through 14. this is what it says it says now the angel of the lord came and sat under the terebinth at ophrah which belonged to joash the abezerite while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. This is God's word. Gideon, this story, is. it spans three chapters in, in the Bible here. It's chapters 6, 7, and 8 of Judges. And... If there's one thing that kind of stands out, and you remember, we're going through each of the judges, and each of the judges share some similarities in their characteristics and how they view faith and how they view life and the the same struggles that they kind of all have to wrestle with and deal with. Um, And so we're kind of hitting different aspects of the judges as it comes up, depending on the story. And this story has a lot to do about making decisions. Decisions are something we face every single day. I mean, if I ask you, like, what, what, what do you do? What's your criteria for making decisions? We have simple decisions that we have to make sometimes, and then some really hard ones. Some of the simple ones, I mean, look, you can go to Starbucks, and do you know that there are 87,000 combinations of things you can buy at Starbucks? Uh, that's not me being like, there's a million things you can get. No, there's literally 87,000 combinations of, of drink choices, just drink choices you can get. D- yeah, I mean, who's going to prove that, I guess, right? But, <laughs> don't list them out. But, but between sweeteners and milks and all the different things, like 87,000 things. So you could go into Starbucks literally probably your whole life and order something different every time. and. It, that seems like a simple decision. But sometimes it's just too much, man. Like I, there there are a few times where I'm asked to go to the grocery store and when I go, and those of you who know me know, you know, me and decisions, like I take pretty much every decision pretty seriously. (laughs) And so I can go and know what I'm going to get but if there's some, if there's areas that aren't very specific, it, it can get hard for me because let's face it, man, we, we have so many options. I mean, just going to the cereal aisle alone is, is, like, is bananas. And so like, you know, my family likes, my kids, they like honey bunches of oats. So like, even if you look at the top row there, you see the honey, you're like, it's not that simple. Which one? The vanilla toasted almond? You want the, I don't even know what else there is. There's, there's just so many. And so this is like a, a really silly option, but if you tell me to go get like dish soap or something something that I'm really not as familiar with, like that I, I like food, but some of that other stuff, I mean, I'll sit there and I will look and go, well. What's in this one? Like why? Because I want to make the best possible decision for my family. So I will, I will dissect, I I don't care about the price, I just want to know what's going to be the absolute best thing for us. And it is, it can be paralyzing and obviously these are, this is a funny example, but it's a picture, like standing in this silly cereal aisle looking at 400 boxes of cereal, each of them calling out, going like, no, I'm the, I'm the right one. I'm the right one. I'm the way to go. Calling for my attention. Calling for a decision. And look, not the biggest decisions of my life, figuring out which cereal. But if I look at other areas and aspects of who I am, I, I, I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. I'm a man. I'm... Son, I, you start putting in those little categories into the different decisions that have to be made for that, it starts to get difficult, <laughs> especially when you want to make good decisions and right decisions. What's the criteria that you, you need in order to make decisions? We all have them. Right, We, we just want to know we're making the right decision, generally speaking. We want to know we're making the right decision. Do, do you, are you someone who needs lots of data to make a decision? To where it doesn't matter if it's serial or if it's, you know, what college you're going to or who to marry. Right? You want to you get all the data, line it up, figure it out, put it in an Excel sheet and, you know, crunch the numbers. Are, are you someone who just kind of is quick to the draw, you make your decisions, hope for the best? <laughs> all right, we we all fall into some area of that spectrum from super analytic to not super analytic. <laughs> and I know for like the super spiritual in here, you're like, well, I just ask God. I just go to the Lord. Okay, that's that's fine. That's nice. So do I. But it's not that easy, right? I mean, of course, this is the pedal I'm going to push down today. We're, we're going to talk about how it's important to include God into our decision-making and, and what he what he has called us to. But look, it's, it's not so simple at times, right? I mean, do we just flip a coin and like pray while it's in the air that it's going to be heads and then when it lands and then we go like, okay, whatever that's going to be, you know, I prayed. Or and then maybe you know best of three if it doesn't come out the way you want it it's like you know i really feel like god's leading me in this direction or this direction it, it, it's challenging and this is what our life is it is a life of fighting for decisions fighting to to go down a path that makes sense that will if if you have faith in god that will honor god and that will lead to life uh maybe you maybe you don't care too much about god but you still you want to make good decisions that will make you a better person, leader, mother, wife, father, worker. It never ends for us, but we need to think. Gideon is a story about a lot of things. It's about faith, doubt, courage, assurance, but it's a story about decisions. You know, I've, I've showed you that in each story, how these judges share a measure of our humanity and the things that we deal with, right? I mean, even though there's some crazy stories, crazy things happening, there is a place where we can look at them and say like, man, that, that's me. And I think Gideon for sure has that characteristic. Weak people coming into contact with a big God. And, and what happens when that intersection occurs? And something that we all deal with is, is having the faith and the knowledge and the courage to make wise decisions, to make decisions that are going to lead to good things, that are going to lead to a place where ultimately, I, I would argue, pushes us to know God more, to love him more, and to love people around us more. That God at times is calling us to take risks count the cost, but to take risks, to move forward, even when we can't see the whole picture. See, and I think what we learned from from Gideon's story, and I'm going to fill in the details as we go, is that God strengthens us to make decisions no matter how good or bad the circumstances are. He can lead us. He will lead us. He will help us. He will strengthen us to not be overly analytical and try to figure out, well, what's the perfect cereal to buy for my greatest enjoyment? Nor is it the other side, well, I'm just gonna, you know, close my eyes, flip a coin, and hope for the best. That there is something in between that God leads us to, to strengthen us so that we can walk a path that will glorify Him, that will honor Him, and that will give us the best life, ultimately, that we want or that he wants. So some things that I wanna help us to see as we think about decision-making, as we think about living life in a way that will be the most God-honoring, God-glorifying, we have to think about a a few categories. And and God is gonna work on changing the way that we we think about decisions, the way that we think about how we live. And here are the things that I wanna point out from this text, okay? He's going to help us to look through or look with the lens of faith. Okay, look with the lens of faith to learn through the discipline of steps and to live in the freedom of assurance. Look, learn, live. Look with the lens of faith, learn through the discipline of steps, and live in the freedom of assurance. So what do I mean? Let's, let's look at this first point, okay? How, we, how do we look with the lens of faith? Well, let me, let me recap a little bit of what's happening. So last week, we, we started chapter 6. So the previous judges um, have, have gone on, and now there's a new enemy, right? Israel, same pattern. The judge dies, and Israel turns back and forgets God and does what they want, right? It says, you know, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So now, this, this new enemy comes, it's Midian. They're the, they're the worst yet because they don't just come in and, like, fight. They come in and they just pillage the land. They ravage everything. They economically oppress Israel. So they're just soaking up all their food, all their resources. They're, it says they're like locusts in the land, right? There's just so many of them. And so what's happening is Israel is having to, like, you know, obviously it's an agricultural society, so they're growing stuff, but they have to like hide what they're growing and, and figure it out, out from public view, because if not, you know, they grow something and then here comes Midian and they just, you know, they take it. So that's, that's what's happening. So Israel can't take it anymore. They, they cry out to the Lord. And last week we looked at, instead of raising a judge right away, God sends a prophet, says, tells them like, hey, this is what's going on. Um, you need to repent, you need to understand why this is happening to you, and we spent a good bit of time just looking at that idea of repentance last week. So now that, we don't know who that prophet was, we don't know what happened to him or her, but they're, they're gone, and now we we meet Gideon, right? So he is, in that little section I read earlier, he's he's preparing food, his wheat, right? He's He's hiding out inside what's called a wine press, so, you know, it's probably like like a bit of a cave, an indoor space that's hidden away from the Midianites so that they won't find him and take his food, take his, um, his property. So <laughs> not the picture of this mighty conqueror that we expect, right? God raises up a judge, and the previous judges, it's like, you know, they're just, they, they handle business quickly, they, they get after it. This is not the case, Right? But I, sometimes Midian, uh, Midian, Gideon gets a, gets a bad rap for being this guy who's, like, kind of hiding out. He's a coward. He's, I'm like, look, he's just being smart. I mean, he, he's a regular guy. He's like us, man. Like, if, if enemies were all around, you know, you, you don't walk out and, you know, hold your weed up in the air and be like, you know, come take it. Like, they will. <laughs> they will come take it. So he's, they, they've been oppressed for a while. He's in the room trying to make food for him, for his family. And God comes to him, and it's just this real funny moment because he's he's hiding out, he's beating out the wheat, and God comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. It's one of the most famous moments in the Bible because if there was ever a moment where someone did not feel like a mighty warrior or that God was with him, it would be this moment. I mean, I, I just can imagine Gideon hearing this. You know, it's, it's some physical representation of, it says, the angel of the Lord is there coming and talking to him. And he's, you know, hiding out. It's dark. It's humid, smelly, whatever. He's he's doing his thing. He's creating wheat. And God comes and says, Oh, my man of valor, the Lord is with you. And him just, like... Is someone someone else in the room? He definitely doesn't feel that way. And this this begins Gideon's story to, as I said, become one of the most well-known characters in all the Bible, with one of the most well-known stories in all the Bible. And it sets him on this path, this journey of faith, where God is teaching him how to trust. He's teaching him how to make decisions, not by what he sees, but by what God says. To change how he looks at the world, to look through a different lens, a lens of faith, right? We, some of us wear glasses. I wear them for a very specific purpose, just so I can see up close. I can see far away just fine. I don't understand why eyes work this way, but they do. I can't see up close anymore. This is, this is my life. I've complained to you about it enough over the last few years, but still bothers me. So when I'm looking at the Bible, it's, you know, I can put these on pretty quickly and man, it's like a magnifying glass. It all comes to life. I can see words. I can understand what's happening in front of me. I take these off. Things become blurry, right? Lenses are amazing. They, They can change the way that we see the world, the way that we process life, the way that we process all kinds of things. And we as humans as people and especially as people who are are wanting to follow god our default lens the eyes that we see through tends towards doubt cynicism self-focus we we need different lenses to look through to to really process the things that are happening in the world around us and the day-to-day decisions that we have to make we need help because left to us we just don't see clearly and the lens of faith is one that 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 god continues to point out to us throughout the Bible, throughout the scriptures, that this is an essential piece of how we need to live. Faith. You see, Gideon, we don't have time to go through all the details of of Gideon's life, but over and over again in this story, God shows Gideon and us just how powerful he is, how powerful God is. And that when everything looks hopeless, God is able to do the impossible. See, one of the famous moments in this story is how Gideon goes from this man hiding out in a cave to leading an army. And when he finally gets the army, he's got 32,000 people, soldiers, with him. And God says, it's too many men. (laughs) Remember, the enemy is described as being like locusts on the field, right? Just a lot. And God says to Gideon, it's too many men, and because if you win with this many men, Israel is going to brag about how strong they were. Like, yeah, you rallied all these men, and you, you handled business. So God says, too many men. So God says, I want you to dismiss all the people who are scared, who are frightened. He says, I want you to go to them and say, if you're, if you're afraid, if you're fearful of the battle, you're dismissed. <laughs> 22,000 of them Leave. <laughs> They're like, oh, we can go? Okay, I'm, I'm out. Right? And this can be seen almost as a practical decision. It's like, okay, you know what? You don't want people scared in battle. They're going to be weak anyway. So, better 10,000 that are strong and able than 32,000 or having an extra 22,000 that are, that are fearful. So down to 10,000, and God says, look, it's still too many. <laughs> like, really, God? So then he tells him to do something really interesting. He says, take them down to the water, and I want, I'm going to show you who's going to stay and who should go. This is what it says. I'm going to, we have verses 5 through 7. So we brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who lap, putting their hands to their mouths was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will, serve, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his own home. Strange, right? 32,000, then 22,000 go. He's got 10,000. He's like, okay, I can do something with 10,000. God says, no, it's too much. He says, I want you to go down to the water, and everyone who, who like gets all the way down and just like slurps the water with their mouth directly from the pool or from the water, you're gonna, they're gone. Everyone who goes down and laps it up with their hand, they're going to stay. Those 300 people. It's 1% of what Gideon started with. 1%, the 99% are gone. And God says I can work with this. It's a different set of eyes. God wanted that number because that was going to show Gideon and the rest of the world and us that it's me who wins the battle. God, God wants to keep, look, God wants us to see the world through different lenses. We, we have talked about this a few weeks ago, but that faith this is what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, right? So we, we looked at faith a couple of weeks ago and, and dove into it. But look, this is a different angle because how we see the world, we want to see everything clearly. We want to see it. If we're going to do it, we want to see it. That's the lens we like. I like the lens of 32,000. I don't like the lens of 300. I think we're all, like, I'll I'll draw you into my camp for that, right? You're going to go fight. I want the 32,000. That's how I want to see the world. That's how I want to see the situation. In fact, I want to see that, and then I want to see every step of the way that's going to lead me to where this is going to end. I want 32,000 soldiers. God wants 300. I'm going to say this for us. In your life in our life we are held back so often because we don't see the 32,000 because we want the 32,000 or we're waiting for the 32,000 to get lined up in order for us to take a step forward we want we're, we're looking through the wrong lens we're looking through the long lens we want big army and small God Right? If we're honest at times, that's just what we like. I, I want lots of money, and God, if you're in there too, that'll be great. But if you're not, look, as long as I have lots of money, then we're going to be okay. Or I want, I want lots of respect, and God, you can come in as well. See, the, the problem with Israel throughout all the judges' story is that they, they never really stopped loving God or, or including him in. What they did was they stopped making him the only thing that they worshipped. They just kept bringing in more and more and more things. So it was like, yeah God, if you're there we haven't totally forgotten but these other things look good and they make me feel good and and make me feel safe and so we're going to and the irony is every time they start worshipping these other things, these other gods, these other philosophies they became imprisoned by them. And it's It's a picture for us over and over again, how we tend to slip out of looking at life through this lens of faith. Faith will not show us the whole picture. It just won't. It's not faith then. It's just good accounting or it's good planning. It's good advice. Faith is, I want big God, and who cares about the army? Faith is, if I have God with me, if, if God is on our side, then it could be 300 men, it could be 3 million men, it could be 3 men. It doesn't matter, because he's with me, and he is handling business. See, we forget, we, we, we say we want him, but we say, God, I want you, but I also just really need this what, what is God highlighting in your life where he's saying I want you to change your lenses I, I need you to put on different glasses I need you to put on something that's gonna help you see the world through my eyes and to stop trying to control everything to stop trying to make you know build the biggest army possible to have an overwhelming force before you're ready to take a step forward it's there for all of us. And you're saying, man, I, I don't know, Adam. I mean, that's pretty scary what you're saying. Well, yeah, it can be. Because our faith gets dulled and it gets weak. And it's okay for it to be scary. It doesn't mean that we don't doubt. If, if you are someone who, who doubts at times, you're, you're in great company. Like, welcome, friend. Let's doubt together. Man, the, the disciples doubt it. They live with Jesus. They watch him turn water into wine and they watch him walk on water and they watch him heal this and this and they're just like, I don't know. And just I'm not sure. One moment Jesus is talking to the disciples and, and they're like, God, they're like, Lord, we, we believe. Just help our unbelief. One of the most honest statements in all of the Bible, something that we can all rally behind, say, like, yeah, I believe. I just really need some help in in believing more. It's okay to doubt. Gideon doubts. And and our goal is to not be more like Gideon at at the end of this, it is a picture, an illustration of someone wrestling in their faith in a very different time, in a very different moment. But there is there there is a reality where we can look to see this is an example of how God moves because we can look. We're not going to be in the same position where God's giving us his army and says, "I want you to cut it down." That that, that happened. What does happen is that God. <laughs> puts us in situations where we're like, oh, man, I, I just got that promotion, I just got that new job, like finally gonna be making some more money, and now finally we'll be able to do boom, boom, boom. And maybe God has been saying like, I, I, I've been wanting you to do that for a long time. I <laughs> I do, um, I, I've shared this with you, right? Part of, my fitness world has is, is been in the CrossFit world for the last decade. And it's always interesting to me when people talk to me about CrossFit, um, because one of the things that happens is like people see it and they're like, oh man, I, I think I'd kind of like that or I'm scared of it. But inevitably I hear this more than anything else, like, yeah, I'm just not in good enough shape yet to do that. Or like, I just need to get into some better shape and then I'm going to come join. And every time I was like, the whole purpose is to get you in good shape like that that's what it's for it's It's backwards, and we just live our life sort of like that, like man, once I get my life together, i'm going to follow God. you're going to be working a long time to get your life together before you follow God. He doesn't want that. He knows you. you, you Hey yeah, you're a mess he he wants the mess he wants the broken he wants the out of shape we if you're on the fence of faith right I mean, these things, these are the things that stop us from like going to pray like oh, I can't go pray because I you know I've done some bad things it's the whole purpose of prayer it's the whole purpose of relationship like I, I just But i get it because i'm like that man i i understand and we need reminders of this over and over and over again that's why we're here that's why this story is here that's why the whole scripture is here because we need to understand that faith is a central element to who we are bible tells us that without faith it's impossible to please him so it's impossible to please God without the limited vision that we have as human beings. Like, we need that limited vision. We don't want to despise it. Because the, the second part of this is where I, where I said that we, we learn through the discipline of steps, right? Look, in the end, Gideon wins with the 300. And, and it's amazing how it all goes down, okay? I'll give you a quick rundown because you can't read it all. But look, 300 men fighting locusts, okay, so lots. So he takes the 300, in the middle of the night, they go and they they kind of surround the camp in three groups, right? So I'm guessing 100 on each side. They have jars with torches inside. And if you're like, well, if it's a jar, can't they see through the jar? No, they didn't have glass. I say that because it's the first thing I thought. I was like, why the jar? You can just see through glass jars. They don't do glass. They're uh, clay, right? So you can't see the torch. It's in the, it's in the jar. They have trumpets, so their hands are full. Um, so they're, they're going, and Gideon says, all right, when I, when I blow my trumpet, you're going to blow your trumpets. You're going to smash the jars, and the torches are going to be up. And so it's going to freak out the enemy, and they're going to be confused, and you know, we'll take it from there. Okay, so they go, they do this thing. It says they did it in the middle of, of uh, the beginning of one of the watches. So you have one group coming off a of watch, one group coming onto watch. So there would be some movement already in the camp. It's dark. All this happens. Gideon blows the trumpet. Jars smash, They scream. They blow their trumpets. Torches are flying. And to the people that are just woken up or all that, they're looking around. They think they're surrounded and they see people walking around the camp, right? And it it says this in verse 22: it says, When they blew their 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army, and the army fled. What happened? They fought each other. They're all confused. There's like trumpets, there's jars, there's fire, there's people walking around, and they start fighting each other. It's amazing. God does an amazing thing through Gideon. This guy who was hiding out in the wine press to this conquering general. But understand, it was a process. It it took time. It took steps. Look, it needed to be a process, right? A series of steps to help Gideon learn that God was with him. Because when we read the story from then, from the beginning part to, to this section, a lot has happened. Gideon has asked many times, like, God, are you really real? Like, are you with me? Are you, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you here? Are you with me? And like, if God had come to Gideon, you know, hiding out in the wine press early on and said, listen, in a, in a, in a few months, you're going to actually take 300 men. And you're going to feed the whole army of Midian. I've been like, there's, there's no way. But we learn. God takes us through these, this journey of faith which involves steps. It's a discipline. God disciplines us like he helps keep us in check so that he says, okay, listen, all I want you to do is get out of the wine press. All right. It's scary, but I'm going to get out of the wine press. Now, I want you to go take this next step and go find these people. Like, all right, I'm going to go. Then it gets to the point where, hey, you have too many men. We're going to cut this down. All right, you've you've led me so far (laughs) to this point, right? I mean, to the point of madness, it seems. To the point where only it can be attributed to God's saving, powerful hand. Faith is a process, or at least living our faith is a process each step is leading us to something more something bigger something farther but look it's usually only the next step that's shown us and man i hate that right we we want it all laid out we, we want the not just the next step but the next 15 steps laid out we want to see what's going to happen what's 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 next? All the what-ifs, all the contingencies, all the possibilities, right? The ramifications. What if I buy the wrong dish soap? What's going to happen? The chain of events that will occur in my home. God, God doesn't do that. And we can't handle that. We already see how we can't handle too much information. We can't. We're not designed to handle the amount of stuff coming at us every single day. Information. God knows. God knows we 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 need faith for that next step out. What's God calling you to for that next step? Are you ready to take that step in faith or are you waiting you're waiting for him to line it all out for you because it may not happen what most likely will happen is he will show you this is your next step and i want you to trust me and i want you to take that step and then i'll show you the next step and the next step all we can handle most times all we can handle is that next step and it takes discipline to just take that next step and believe God for just that step. And I know, like, some of us are thinking, well, Adam, isn't wise to plan things out, to have, to have a roadmap, have contingencies, scenarios in order to make wise decisions. Yes, I'm not saying just be dumb. God doesn't want you to be dumb. But let me push this pedal down for just a minute and say that God, God may be, probably, for most of us, is is pushing us to believe him more and to believe what we see less. And to just take that next step is hard. But God is, is with you and he's calling you and he's pushing you. He's pulling you. He's drawing you. This is often just what, what, what keeps us from making decisions, from moving forward. We just get paralyzed with too many decisions. Like, if I, if, <laughs> it's me standing in the cereal aisle just going, like, I, I don't even know. We just have so many options and we have the fear of missing out. If I take this step, it means I'm gonna miss out on this? What if there's a better offer? Like, God is pushing us to something deeper, something bigger, something more Profound and more life-giving than anything that we have experienced on our own. God is calling some of us to just get out of the wine press and to take that next step. What's he calling you to? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Because here's here's what happens and this is the, this is the that final point he he is calling us to live in the freedom of assurance right to not just not to just look with this lens of faith and learn from taking just one step at a time, but that there is something freeing that comes when we live like this there is a life of assurance like you remember that initial conversation God says, "Hey, mighty warrior and what is uh, God says to him, he says, I'm with you. And Gideon says, look, if you were with us, where have you been? Where are all the miracles? I remember hearing about Moses and running out of Egypt, and that was the God that we had learned about. But I'm in a wine press, and we're in a lot of trouble. And God says, (laughs) Gideon has this whole monologue, and God says, go in this might of yours. And save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? I just imagine Gideon's like God. If you're with us, and why is all this bad stuff happening? I thought you were like this. Where are the miracles? Where's this? And he says, "Go in this might of yours." And Gideon just being like, "Do you hear anything I'm saying?" <clears throat> but there it is, man. Look, is what he says in verses fifteen and sixteen. And he said to him, "This is Gideon, please, Lord." How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Do you see God's answer? Gideon's laying out all the arguments of why this is a horrible idea. God just says with one word, he says, but you'll have me. You'll have me with you. Is that enough? That's what God is asking us. Like, am I enough for you? I am with you, I will be with you, I am your God. God is so patient in this story, he's so amazing. There's, I mean, stuff we just don't even have time to talk about, there's the fleece, Gideon's fleece, where it's, he puts this, you know, piece of wool down, and he's like, God, if you're really with me, I want you to make the ground wet and the fleece dry. God does it. Gideon's like, okay, that was really good, but actually, if you're really with me, I need you now to do the reverse, I need you to make the fleece wet and the ground dry. <laughs> and God does it. Then he tells Gideon, he's like, listen, Gideon, if you're still not sure that you're going to beat this army after, this is way after he did the 300 men, he's like, if you're still not sure, go down to the camp. Someone's got a word there. You're going to hear some some good news. He goes into the camp. There's this guy telling a story about a dream he had where there was a barley loaf and it hit a tent, a Midianite tent, and the tent fell. And the guy was like, yeah, I think it means we're going to win. And Gideon's just standing there listening to this guy tell the dream. (laughs) And like... God is so faithful. He is with him every step of the way. And that is the word for us. God is with you. And there is freedom in that. There's freedom from, the, from being bound up and trying to make the right decisions all the time. Or if you're in a transition time of going like, well, man, Lord, I don't know. Like, what if I do this and, and, and you're not there? And he's like, I'm with you. I, I don't leave. See, and here's the best news because Gideon just has this encounter with God and it's, it's, a, it's a snapshot into the way God interacted with, with prophets and certain people in the Old Testament. But then when we come to, to our life now, we see that we have Jesus, that Jesus came for all this to be, to be different, to be fuller, to be more powerful. Jesus says, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna stay with you. I'm gonna dwell with you. My spirit is gonna be with you. So we have to stop making God so small in our eyes and just being like, God, I, I see you, but, but I also see this bank account is not where it needs to be. And sure, maybe he's saying, eh, you need to be more wise, like make better decisions, but more than anything, he's saying, I am with you. Stop putting your hope in these small things. I'm the God who can take 32,000 and defeat a, a massive army with only 300. This is what Jesus said at the end of his life. This is in Matthew 28. It says, Jesus came and said, this is after the cross, after a resurrection, this is the end. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Can we live like that's true in your life there there may be a situation where god's saying it's too many men trust me trust me i'm with you i love you i have proven myself over and over and over again and you know what look there are going to be times when you ask god like hey can you i need a little bit of assurance here sure go do it it's wonderful But this is not a story about how to get God to answer your little requests for signs and putting out your fleeces. This is a story about God's relentless pursuit of his people and his love and ability to assure and reassure and reassure that that his love for us is so great. He proved it on the cross. He proved it with his son, Jesus. He proves it over and over and over again by how he loves you even when you hate him. And even when I rebel, he comes after me and calls me back home. That is the God we serve. That is the faith that, that will strengthen us to live dramatically different lives. Do you believe that? Do you want that? Do you want a life that is fuller and richer than just putting hope in people or money or beauty? we need something bigger and it's available to us now put your hope in christ put your faith in god he will not leave you he will not forsake you and and when it looks like he maybe isn't there just like gideon was like you're with me you're not even near me all this stuff's happening god's saying no no no, actually I'm, i'm with you and that's what he says to us every day you don't see me i am with you i am for you Do not abandon me because i have not abandoned you that is the good news put your hope in that good news let's stand together father we are in desperate need of you to take those next steps of faith to believe you god that seeing through the lens of faith is better than seeing with our own eyes thank you god for the freedom we have to live in the assurance that you are for us and with us constantly. May we not forget. May we not, not waver to the left and to the right. And when we do, God, thank you for bringing us back in. Help us to believe you for the impossible. If you're in here and you just you know God is highlighting something in your life you've been waiting you've been waiting a long time you're like ah, I just can't do it yet I can't do it yet I can't do it yet because my life's not together I'm not in order I don't have enough money I don't I'm a mess you are in the perfect position for God to do an amazing work in your life trust him make today be the day that you say yes to God whether it's believing in him for the first time, whether it's obeying him for something that you're supposed to be doing in your life, step in faith, trusting that he's got you. There are going to be people here to pray if you would like to get prayer. There's going to be prayer teams up here as we sing this final song. Let this time, this final song, be a moment where we respond to God for who he is and how great he is. Let's sing.